This is MMA Torch editor Jamie Penix, and this is the Torch Audio Update for Thursday, January 29th, 2009. Uh, joined once again by Torch columnists Matt Pelkey and Jason Bent. This time we're going to look ahead to Saturday's UFC 94, St. Pierre vs. Penn 2. Major epic uh, battle between two champions this weekend, guys. And uh, a great undercard to really uh, complement that. And it's just going to be a great night of MMA action. And the main event, I just right off the bat, I don't think there's any way that this sh- this main event disappoints. Um, we'll have plenty to say on that later. Outside of that fight, guys, uh, what are you looking forward to most on this card? And uh, what do you think is going to stand out outside of the main event? Jason, let's start with you. Uh, obviously the main event, but aside from that, I'm looking forward to seeing how Stefan Bonner is able to perform now. I mean, he's always been such a likable guy especially against a freak like John Jones. Um, other than that, I'm really, really looking forward to the Nate Diaz-Clay Guida fight. I think that's going to be fantastic. And I like the way the card is set up because it, it's a nice build to, to the epic main event. I mean, it's not like a, a three-headed monster like the Ultimate was. I mean, this is so much bigger as far as the main event, but it's a nice slow burn build all the way up the card to – the point when we're just going to be on the edges of our seats. But uh, Diaz-Guida is a fight that definitely stands out as something I'm prepared to watch. I'm ready for that one right now. Absolutely. Matt, uh, how about you? Yeah, I agree with Jason. Uh, I really like the way the card is set up. It's, you know, there's nothing on it where I look at it and kind of scratch my head and say, why is this, you know, why am I going to have to watch this on a pay-per-view? Um and then it builds up, and you have a, a perfect, perfect number two fight of two undefeated fighters in Tiago Silva and Leota Machida, and then that leads right into you know as big of a main event as we've really seen you know up to this point, um, and and there's not a whole lot out there that can really top this fight, so I, I can't imagine this card disappointing. Uh, there's not a dull fight on the main card, at least. You might get a clunker somewhere in the undercard, but uh, I just feel like everything is going to deliver uh, top to bottom on this card. I agree with you on the play on, on the number two fight here. I mean, because Machida Silva, there's no way that that fight takes any of the wind out of the sails of a main event, regardless of what it is. I mean, it it should be a great fight on its own, but with with a Machida fight, you're not expecting it to be an absolutely exhilarating affair that's going to suck the air out of the crowd um, for the fight after it. So it really is a, a great place for that fight to be on this card. Um, and then obviously the main event is just, it, it's better than words right now, especially after last night's uh, UFC primetime special finale. That uh, that show has been absolutely amazing for building that this fight up even further than it needed to be built up. Because, I mean, just the announcement of those two fighting for a second time was enough to sell this show. And by by doing the primetime special and uh, really building this like they have into an even bigger fight than you would have thought it would be, it really will come off that way. And there's no way that this fight will disappoint. That It just can't happen. Plain and simple. Um We'll start with uh, quick picks on the uh, undercard here, guys. Not a lot to really talk about outside of the fact that John Fitch, after taking GSP all the way to the cards in a five-round champ- five championship bout, is 
not on the main card and is taking on Akihiro Gono on the undercard here. Um, we've got two heavyweights, Jake O'Brien and Christian Wellish, both dropping down to face each other at 205. Um, Manny Gambirian and Tiago Tavares trying to uh, rebound from losses themselves. Uh, Chris Wilson taking on a uh, much shorter rookie in John Howard. Uh, there's about a six inch height difference in that fight. And I think that's going to be the major factor in that one. And then finally two ultimate fighter alumni, Matt Arroyo and Dan Kramer. Kramer is making his professional debut in this fight. Um, just quick picks on the undercard here for me. I've got Wilson by T with a TKO in the first round, Arroyo with a submission in the first round, Tavares taking a TKO in the second round. Cause I don't trust Gambirian after getting knocked out in 12 seconds. Um, and then with O'Brien and Wellish, it's all about who makes the cut best. It's all about who can handle that cut down to 205. Um, but I think I think Wellish is going to outlast O'Brien and get it to the ground after a, a standing battle and pick up a submission in the third round. That's my upset of the night. Um, and then John Fitch, Akihiro Gono. Fitch is going to return. They're really outside of GSP, maybe BJ Penn. Maybe Tiago Alves. There's not another welterweight that can uh, get in there with John Fitch and beat him right now after the performance he put in at UFC 87. I don't see it happening. So I've got Fitch uh, with a TKO in round three in that fight. Uh, Matt, let's get your thoughts here on the undercard. Um, I will take uh, Chris Wilson um, by second round TKO. He's he's a, he's a beyond solid fighter. And uh, he's not the kind of guy that you're going to come in and, and beat in your UFC debut fight. Uh, that's a tough debut fight. Um, I will take also. I'll take uh, Tiago Tavares by second round TKO. I think it's that's the battle of uh, who's who's going to live up to their potential. And I think uh, Tavares just has a little bit more. And I, I think tonight or tomorrow, excuse me, uh, Saturday night is going to be his night. Um, Fitch, I, I will take to win a, a comfortable decision. Gono is is very scrappy, wily veteran. Um, you know, you know, Fitch is fantastic, but finishing isn't exactly, you know, his strong suit. So I think he'll grind out a, a good performance, but not necessarily something that's gonna uh, be conducive to returning to the main card on a pay per view. Um, I, I will take Matt Arroyo by submission in the. First round over Dan Kramer. If I mean, if that goes a little later, Kramer might have a shot because the Royal kind of tends to fold under pressure, but he's way better on the ground. Uh, what else am I missing? O'Brien and Wellish. O'Brien and Wellish. I will take uh, O'Brien by decision. I think his, his wrestling background will be a little more conducive to making that cut, and uh, I think he'll control him on the ground uh, when when he wants to. It'll stay on the feet at times, and then he'll you know get a few well placed takedowns and kind of lay on him and. and work out a decision there. Jason, your thoughts on the undercard here? I'm going with Fitch over Gono by unanimous decision. I'm taking Tavares over Gamburian by second-round submission. Uh, Wilson, third-round TKO over Howard. Uh, I'm taking Jake O'Brien by second-round TKO over Christian Wellish. That's just a premonition of feeling I've got. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that bout. I'm, I'm hoping that it'll make air some way, shape, or form, or at least be up on the site. And uh, Arroyo over Kramer by unanimous decision in what I really think is going to be a snooze fast of a fight. I just don't I don't see that matchup really creating much. I mean, Kramer is, is just grossly inexperienced. Arroyo doesn't have too much more than that. And I just think putting them together, 
uh, the nerves, the tension of being on a card of this magnitude is going to create a very, very skippable fight, but I take Arroyo by uh, unanimous decision. And that brings us right into the uh, the main portion of the card here, our pay-per-view card for UFC 94, and it's going to start off with a bang. Clay Guida and Nate Diaz. This should just be a fun, fun opening fight. Clay Guida, really, he's got one speed, and that's full throttle. That's all he does, plain and simple. Um, I mean, he's really the, the caveman equivalent of the Energizer Bunny, and he's he's going to keep going until he's finished or until the the buzzer goes and it goes to the cards. Um, and he's coming up against Nate Diaz, who is just he's just good, plain and simple, one of the most athletically and gifted and talented fighters to come out of the Ultimate Fighter, um, the season five winner, obviously. His ground game is is superb right now. I mean, he's top, top level, but he's not far under it. And uh, I see him stopping Guida in the second round with a submission in this fight, but it's going to be fun while it lasts. Jason, your thoughts on the opening bout? This, uh, you know, outside of the main event, this is the fight that I would tell anybody is a must-see. Even if, you know, I don't care if you're a new fan who isn't familiar with either guy, you've got to see this fight. I think it's going to be exciting. Um, Diaz is insane. Um, you know, against Nier, that step-over move, I can't really think offhand of too many people that could attempt that or, or even succeed. It's just insane. Um, Guida, I don't think it's possible for this guy to ever get tired. And, and the, both of them just uh, coupled in this, in this octagon is going to be a fantastic fight. Uh, the key is going to be the stand-up. Guida has got to keep this one standing as much as possible. He cannot afford to get to the ground. Uh, as far as Diaz standing up, I think he's got the machismo to want to trade a little bit, but he keeps his chin way up, and he can't afford to you know, eat too many shots that way. He's got to get him on the ground, make sure not to eat a lot of punishment, and finish him off down there, which is what I think will happen. I've got Diaz taking this one by a third-round submission, but I believe the first two rounds are going to be a push. I look for Guida to possibly win the first round, uh, Diaz to start working his game in the second and finally be able to finish it off in the third. Diaz is just like one fight, one moment, one something away from getting to that upper-class top tier. He's that good. You know, everybody wants to talk about Nick Diaz, but, you know, Nick's a fantastic fighter, but he's kind of known for more of the, the outside-the-ring stuff as well. Nate Diaz, I, I believe, is just the more naturally gifted of the two, and I think this fight is going to set him up to be a superstar and, you know, Clay Guida's no slouch, but I've got Nate Diaz just being way too much. And somewhere around the middle of the third round, this one's going to be finished. But either way, Clay's going to be found afterward with a drink in his hand and a smile on his face, and he'll be ready to go for the next fight, no doubt. <laughs> Matt, where are you at on uh, Guida versus Diaz here? Well, I love Nate Diaz. I, lo- I love Nick Diaz as well. I'm a-, a big Diaz Brothers fan. For whatever reason, I'm not sure. Um but I like watching them fight, and, and I kind of like their attitude, but I do not like this matchup for, for Nate Diaz. Um, he's, he's very much like his brother in that he, he has that length advantage over pretty much anybody he faces, but he doesn't throw hard. He just throws constantly and throws those accurate peppering strikes, um, whereas Guido's going to try and get inside, close the distance, and, and throw the power shots. So I think it'll kind of be a, a push on the feet, Um but Guida's going to be able to take Diaz down. And Nate Diaz has great submissions, and he's 
constantly working when he's on the ground. He's probably one of the most dangerous guys in the UFC off of his back just because he's always looking for something. If you're always looking for something, there's a chance you're going to catch somebody. Um, the only problem is I think Guida is kind of too strong for Diaz to submit. Um, the only time we saw Guida finish, you know, was in the fight with Roger Huerta, and he got submitted because he was uh, basically out on his feet after getting just drilled with a knee. Um, and I don't think Nate Diaz has that kind of power to rock him to set up a submission. So I think Cleguda is going to be constantly fending off submissions when he's on top, but he's going to do enough damage and just the fact that the judges often look at top position much more favorably than bottom, even when the action doesn't kind of dictate that. Um, I think that's going to be the difference in the fight. Cleguda is just going to spend a lot more time on top and end up winning a decision. It's not a bad take, and either way you look at it, this should just be an exciting fight and a great way to open the show um, on pay-per-view on Saturday night. And our next bout, we move into Dong Hyun Kim, welcoming back the returning Carl Parisian. Um, uh, I believe this fight was supposed to take place in September when Parisian had to pull out with the, the back injury, and and Kim picked up a definitely disputed split decision over Matt Brown. In fact, I had it scored for Brown in that fight. Uh, this is an interesting, interesting fight to, to kind of try to predict here because it's going to be very apparent early if Parisian is not a hundred percent recovered from that back injury of his. Um, if he is, uh, he's got a definite chance to, to be a dominant fighter against Kim in this fight. Um, his only, he's only lost to top competition. I mean, Parisian is definitely at the top of that second tier. You just don't know how bad that back injury really was and how much it's going to affect him um, after re- trying to recover from that and trying to return here. And I think we're going to see a much better Dong Young Kim than we did against Matt Brown. Um, I, I think he just did not show what he was touted about coming into that fight. And, uh, I mean, I, I think we could see some definite uh, judo back and forth from both of these guys because they're both um, high-class black belts in, in judo. And we we could see some nice throws and some nice defense from that. I think we've got another exciting fight on our hands here. Um, but I've got Dong Hyun Kim looking a lot better than he did and in September, and I've got him picking up the upset with a TKO in round three on this one. Um, I, I would not be surprised if it went highly differently than that. Uh, I'm basing this on not trusting Carl Parisian's back uh, on the return from his injury here. So, Matt, where are you at on this second fight of the pay-per-view? Kind of, kind of similar to you, except I'm more uh, along the lines of not trusting Carl Parisian's head right now. Um, He's not been that active lately, and even the last couple times we've seen him, he hasn't really been that same fighter that he was the first couple of years he was with the UFC. Um, and in this fight, you know, what he usually has as an advantage in every fight is his judo. And that's Kim's background, is judo. So they're going to kind of negate each other there. I can't really speak to whose judo is better because I don't know, you know, the credentials side by side of each man. But I know both are very solid in that area. Um I just, I, I don't really believe in Carl Parisian right now. 
uh, Kim is better than we saw against Matt Brown, and he's going to perform like that on Saturday night. And Carl's going to perform a little bit below his his capabilities. And I think uh, it's going to be an uninspired performance by Caro, and he's going to end up dropping a, a decision here. And it's really going to kind of knock him down the card. And he, he needs a good performance here if he ever intends on on really contending in the division, at least in the next couple of years. He's, he's still young. He's only like 26 years old somehow. Um, but, you know, his time is now. If he's going to do it, he needs to get it done right now. And I just don't see it happening on Saturday. Jason, where are you at with uh, Parisian against Kim here? You know, Caro, he he once was just such a spectacular fighter, but, you know, recently he's gone from heat to just kind of lukewarm. And especially when you take into consideration coming off of a back injury, a back injury changes everything. How you train, your level of intensity while training, uh, you can shut it off during competition. You know, any athlete, as soon as they step into the octagon or on the field, can kind of shut things off and just go from there. But it's always there, and I'm just curious how this is going to present itself at some point during this match. Uh, definitely going to see a much better Kim than we did against Matt Brown, and he's going to need every bit of that because even Parisian at, at a C grade is comparably so much better than Matt Brown, at least at this point in his career. I like Kim early on. I think he's going to come out like a house of fire, do a lot of early damage, but I do believe it's going to be a stalemate in terms of the judo, and it's going to change the complexion of this fight. I think Kim is going to need to and try to turn it into more of a, a kickboxing match and use the advantage to avoid the clinch, you know, and avoid because I'd like to think Parisian is, is, is better at judo. It's possible. I could be way off, way off, but I'd like to think Kim is going to go into this respecting the car of old. And I think that's going to be a smart thing. It could keep the fight a bit even, but I do think Caro has just enough and he needs this win bad. This is a crossroads bout for him. This is the bout that's going to determine if he's you know, ever back on the main card, at least for some time, because a, a, a big defeat to Kim could push him down. Uh, I think Carr is going to come up with just enough to win. I like him by unanimous decision. I think it's going to start pretty fast and furious. Kim is going to push it. We'll get to see what Carr is capable of, but I think it's going to be a stalemate through the rest of the fight and just a war of attrition where I think Carr is going to have just enough more in each round to pull off the unanimous win. And that's not a, that's like I said before, a lot of these fights can really go either way on this card. And that's, that's the beautiful thing about it is there's a lot of unpredictability on this card, which hasn't necessarily been the case as of late. We've had a lot of cards that really the fights were only going to go one way. And if something different happened, then it was a shocking upset, but there's a lot of different things that could happen on this card that really wouldn't surprise that very many people. Um, and then that gets us to our third pay-per-view bout of the evening. Stefan Bonner returning after over a year with a knee injury, taking on John Jones, the youngest fighter in the UFC right now. John Jones is exciting as hell. I got to see him live at UFC 87 in Minneapolis. Stefan Bonner is a great fighter. And it's going to be all dependent on how his knee holds up in this fight. Because John Jones is going to come out with a lot of energy, a lot of fire, a lot of fast-paced action. If Bonner can keep up with it, plain and simple, he's just far too skilled, far too experienced, far too good at everything that John Jones is good at for Jones to win this fight. That being said, 
It's going to be a gigantic learning experience for John Jones and is going to help him uh, immensely moving forward. The kid's on his eighth fight. He's been training for 14 months, and, and it's just it's an insane stat when you look at that and you see the skills that he presented at UFC 87 not even a full year into this game, and he's getting a fight with Stefan Bonner here. This is going to be a fun fight while it lasts again. Um, I think Bonner is going to be too much for him, and after some uh, a stand-up war in the first round, I think Bonner is going to get this to the ground, and I think he's going to pick up a submission because he's just that much better than John Jones that, because Jones is only 21 right now. Uh, Jason, am I off base on this, or, or uh, how do you see Bonner and Jones here? I see it going in a similar fashion, although ending differently. I like Bonner by second-round TKO because John Jones really needs to change levels in this fight and consistently, but I think he's going to want to stand and slug it out. The problem is his striking is way too unorthodox at this point in his career for a guy with such boxing experience as Bonner. Bonner should be able to pick him apart, and I think the, the mentality of a slugfest is going to get into this fight from the start, Neither man is going to want to give any quarter to the other, and I think they're going to stand and trade. Jones, Jones should actually try and grapple, test out the wheels of Bonner, push the pace, use his supreme and much superior athleticism. But I think Bonner has been in the game for too long. He's fought under the bright lights. He's had the attention. Uh, Jones is going to be a star. He is on his way to becoming a star. He's got all the physical gifts, and the stuff he pulled off in Minneapolis was just it was amazing. But I think at this point, Bonner's too much, and as long as his knee is healed, I look for the two to stand and trade more often than not, and I think Bonner's going to find his spot, slip the punches, stick and move, and take him out by second-round TKO. This one's going to be crowd-pleaser, and Jones should be back, and he should be around for a long time. But this is the American psycho's return, and it should be a triumphant one for him. Matt, what are you thinking on this? Does John Jones have any more of a shot than we've given him credit for so far? I really think that he does. Um, this is this is my dark horse pick of the night for for fight of the night. Um, what's really interesting about this to me is that when you look at Stefan Bonner and you picture in your head, you know what you we've all seen Stefan Bonner fight plenty of times. We know he's a very good uh, light heavyweight. He's not in the elite uh, section, but he's a he's a B plus light heavyweight. He's he's got good boxing. He's got a great chin. And he's pretty good on the ground. He's very underrated on the ground. We don't see it all that often, but he's got it. Um, but he hasn't fought in over a year, and I'd be willing to bet he's spent more time rehabbing than he has training in that time off. Um, John Jones, on the other hand, has only been training for 14 months. When the last time he saw him, he'd only been training nine months and was already 7-0, and and look, look what he had picked up in nine months. So in another five months, that's more than 50% of the training time he had before his UFC debut. How much more has he picked up? He seems like one of those kind of freakishly athletic sponge types where he just he just gets it. It just, you know, he soaks it up and, and, and he, he applies it and he does it at a much faster pace than a person should be able to do. So this is just, we have no idea what we're getting from Stephen Bonner. Is he going to be rusty? Um, you know, is is his head going to be into it? Is he still going to have the passion for fighting after such a long layoff? And then there's there's John Jones, who, yeah, we saw him, you know, 
five months ago, but he could be a completely different fighter in just five months later based on what we saw of him after just nine months. So I'm still going to take Stefan Bonner, and I think it'll take him a couple rounds to do it, probably a late second round um, submission once once he just he finally gets it on and he remembers that he's great on the ground. But I think John Jones is going to give him a hell of a fight uh, up until that point, and I think he's he like Jason said he's going to be a star. He's gonna he's going to be the what Brock Lesnar was to WWE. He's going to be the UFC. Just come in early and just soak it up really fast and, and shoot up the ladder. Uh, but in this fight, Bonner's still just going to be a little bit too much, and I'll take second round submission. The, those are all great points there, and something um, crazy to think about. John Jones has been in the game for less time than Stefan Bonner has been out with his knee injury. So that's, that's, that's uh, another thing to, to take to heart on that. Um, so that brings us to the semi-main event of the evening. It's not a co-main event. It, you can't have anything be a co-main event with the massive um, fight that we have to finish this one off. But we've got the battle of two unbeatens. Um, if this were the WEC, WEC, it would be somebody's O must go. But uh, Lyoto Machida and Tiago Silva, both 13-0, and 0, both great light heavyweight fighters, both definitely up in that top-tier level right now, uh, just trying to claw their way to a title shot against Rashad Evans here. Lyoto Machida, the uh, absolute non-crowd favorite, for his uh, um, what some perceive as running away style, but it's not at all. Lyoto Machida is one of the smartest fighters that's in the game right now. He knows how to utilize his strengths, pick his spots, score on scorecards, and win fights. He All he does is win. He may not always finish it. He may not always be exciting, but he knows how to win, and that's all he's done. I think Tiago Silva is going to test him more than any other fighter he has faced yet. Tiago Silva is one of the fastest fighters that Machida will have gone against. Um, he's got some of the heaviest hands for of an up-and-coming light heavyweight that we've seen. He's just a beast, but I think that's at the same time, that's going to be his undoing in this fight. I think he's going to get to Machida early. He's going to get some shots in. He's going to be moving really quickly through the first two rounds. He's not going to have enough left in that third round. I think Machida finishes this fight with a submission in the third round, but I think it's going to be a much better fight than people are expecting because I think I expect Silva to take it to Machida and force him to stay in there and um, not be able to pick his spots as he normally does. I think Machida is going to need to pull this one out with with an actual stoppage victory because uh, I think Silva is going to test him that much. I think we're in for a great, great uh, fight just before the main event. Uh, Matt, where are you at on our uh, semi-main event here? Uh, I personally think Machida's style is fascinating and beautiful to watch. Um, why wouldn't anybody try and go with his style if you're a fighter? He doesn't like getting punched in the face, and who can blame him there? You know, you, you take the risk of getting hurt or knocked out when that happens. So he's made it a point to say, I'm going to do whatever I can to win these fights and take the least amount of damage possible. Um, I agree with you. I think Silva's going to present his biggest challenge yet, and he's had plenty of good challenges too, but he's gonna. I think Silva is going to bring the pace more than anybody else and keep attacking. Um, 
And I think it'll kind of be like the Tito Ortiz fight where it'll seem maybe a little boring in the beginning because I think Machida is, is going to be able to stay on the outside for a little while and kind of pick his shots. But eventually the action is going to pick up. And Machida, if you press him into the action, he, he fights back. And, and that's when he finishes people. So it's not a matter of, you know, we haven't found the fighter, you know, yet to, to push him properly because people have pushed him. It's just when you do that, then you run into his full array of skills, and he has a lot. Um, and I think he's going to show him off in this fight. Uh, Silva is going to acquit himself well, and he's going to hopefully this will be kind of a star-making performance for him um, in defeat that will keep him around the top of the card where, where I think he belongs and I think he's ready to be. But it's Silva's time. I, I think he's going to get a third-round TKO in this fight. Um, and, and we can go ahead and start preparing for uh, 25 minutes of circling and leg kicks of Rashad Evans versus Leota Machida. But, uh, <laughs> neither guy is going to want to is going to want to fight the other one. Uh, they're, they're both counter fighters. I love watching them both, but you kind of have to stick them with the, the right opponent to to have an exciting fight. And in Tiago Silva is the right kind of opponent for an exciting fight here, but I think Machida is just a little bit better, and he's going to get get the win here. Agreed. Jason, your thoughts here on Machida Silva? This is a great matchup. Of course, it is a semi-main event, definitely not a co-main event, and it's kind of one of those fights that is just it's a begrudgingly put-together matchup because, you know, Leoto Machida is, is a fantastic fighter. He's brilliant, and I I kind of liken him to a butcher, but you don't believe he's a butcher because he never has any blood on his smock when he comes home. But he gets the job done efficiently and effectively without getting punched in the face, which is the smart thing to do. Um, just like any other sport, like in baseball, home runs uh, put butts in the seats. You know, a lot of fans frown on small ball. Uh, Machida plays that, and he does it the right way, and his fights are a thing of beauty. I don't think Silva's capable of pushing him any more than he's ever been pushed before. and I don't even think the guy could really make him break a sweat early on. But even though I want to pick Machida by decision because that feels like the right thing, my gut tells me this is going to be an upset, and I've got Silva by second-round TKO. I mean, I could be way wrong. I remember, you know, I was 18, and my gut told me there wasn't going to be a cop on that stretch of 95, and I found out the hard way there was. <laughs> But I'm going with Silva by second-round TKO. Um, Machida is kind of like a, a Pernell Whitaker was in boxing or going back to a Willie Pep. He's frustrating, and he's just so good defensively. He doesn't so much as run away as he uses the octagon to his advantage, which is octagon control or ring generalship, which shows up on the scorecards. Uh, I think Silva's going to be very aggressive to start with, and he could get frustrated. If he gets frustrated, that changes the complexion of the fight because he's just going to be chasing him, you know, swinging a mallet at him. But you can't hit what you can't catch. But I think Silva is quick enough and powerful enough that if he can land it on the button, I think he can finish it off in spectacular fashion. So I don't necessarily think I would tell anybody to bet the house on it or take me up on this one, but I've just got a premonition it's going to be an upset, Tiago Silva by second round TKO in what's going to be a shocking, shocking bout, which I think this has every chance of being shocking to the hardcore fans as, uh, you know, Frank Mir's decimation of Noguera. I think this is going to be like, hey, somebody finally cracked the code. But I don't think it's going to be so much as that as he's quick enough and powerful enough that when he hits, it hurts, it'll do the damage, and I think this could stop him. Like I said, don't want to put the house on it, but 
I put it down. It's in stone. Going with it as my pick. Either way, I think we're in for a good fight and a much better fight than some people might be expecting out of Machida, simply because I think it's just a great matchup with Silva. Their styles are going to mix enough where uh, Machida is forced to do some things that perhaps he hasn't had to do before. And uh, like you said, if if Silva does do what you think he might do, Jason, that would be uh, quite the shocking uh, finish to that fight and would get many people talking after this uh after this show on Saturday night. And that brings us to the fight that's been hyped for months and months. Um, that's been talked about for even longer than that. Going back, uh, welterweight champion, George Rush, St. Pierre taking on BJ, the prodigy pen, the lightweight champion. I mean, what else is there really to say to hype up this fight that hasn't been said? I mean, it's, it's epic. It's two of the best fighters in the world facing it's, the biggest rematch in UFC history. It's all of that stuff. It's, it's Lemmy versus God, except Lemmy is God. So that's a, that's a trick question on that one. But you know what? Really? It doesn't matter anything else that's said about this fight, all of the hyperbole, everything that's been said, it's going to live up to the hype. I don't think there's any way that it cannot live up to the hype. These two are going to get it past the second round for sure. Neither of them is going to finish this one early. I just cannot see that happening. Um, And once they get into that third round, if they push it into the championship rounds, we've got one of the greatest fights of all time on our hands in this one. And I think if ever there was a time to have it, it's right now at the height of MMA's popularity um, as it's just continually on the rise here. St. Pierre and Penn is just an amazing matchup between two guys who are absolutely the best at almost every aspect when it comes to the whole package of a mixed martial artist. I mean, striking ground game, everything. These two both have it. I think it's going to come down to St. Pierre having a little bit better cardio, St. Pierre having a little bit more control with his wrestling, St. Pierre being a much, much improved striker from where he was in their first fight. I think this one is an absolute battle through three rounds. That's extremely close. It gets into the fourth round. St. Pierre gets a little bit uh, more control, gets pinned down, ground and pounds him to a TKO. I think that happens in the fourth round. I think St. Pierre retains. I, I think that would be the best for the promotion in terms of future fights. But disregarding that, I think that, Penn is too hell-bent on thinking that he's much better than than George in every area. And the fact is, George has improved to the point where BJ's still got a couple of edges on him, but a couple of those areas that he had either even or a little bit better, George has gone beyond that. And I think St. Pierre retains his title in the fourth round with a TKO. Jason, where are you at on this fight? Uh, This is just a mega, mega, mega event. Uh, two of the world's best going at it. Uh, you know, Penn, GSP, their first fight was fantastic. You know, it's been a long while, long wait. We got this wonderful countdown by Spike. I was finally able to catch all of the episodes of it, and this just built it up to a crescendo that I've never seen any countdown show for anything, any pre-fight, uh, pre-game. This was it. This was perfect. I'm so pumped up for the fight. 
that this morning I was opening the mail, got a paper cut. I, I thought about licking the blood off the back of my hand and running around like that. <laughs> I mean, I'm ready for the fight, the intensity. I think we're going to see a different fight out of both men. I, I think with GSP, it's going to be more mentally. Physically, he's always been there. I think he'll be in even better shape. Um, he's got to prove capable of taking a beating. But I think the difference is in this fight, he's not going to take the beating. I think it's going to be a little more elusive. But he's got to watch out for a mental slip because you know that's how he got beat by Matt Hughes. It wasn't that he was getting beaten. He just made a mistake. He can ill afford to make a mistake against such a motivated Penn. I think we're going to see the most mature, most in-shape BJ Penn who can finally, finally take advantage of all of his natural gifts and show us that with the natural gifts, and hard work that you can be absolutely dominant. There is no loser in this fight. We certainly aren't losers. We win. We win big. Uh, I like Penn by fourth-round TKO. I think BJ in better shape is going to make all the difference in this fight, and I think for the first three rounds, three-and-a-half rounds, you know, our sphincters are going to be puckered. We're going to be standing up, ooing, eyeing. If it does go to the cards, if this goes that far, uh, you could hear a pin drop as the decision gets announced because it's going to be that close of a fight. But I just like Penn. I think he's going to be too aggressive, too intense. And I really do, as much as I love GSP and I believe everything, I just think Penn wants this one more. I just do. I think that's innate. I think it's just in him more. I, I just don't think there's many who can have a drive inside. You can't create it. You're born with that. And this isn't a knock to GSP. I just think it's gonna, he, the motivation for B.J. Penn to prove anybody wrong who's ever said he's been a little bit lazy, a little bit lackadaisical in his approach, I think he's not going to dominate any round in a fashion like he did round one of their first fight. But I think by the middle of the fourth round, this one gets changed and GSP gets finished off, and we're just going to applaud both because this is the perfect fight, mega fight. Uh, you know, the Super Bowl is the next day, but uh, – this is it for MMA. This is our big game of, of sorts. Absolutely. All right, Matt, I've delayed this as much as I could. It's time for your pick, man. you gotta, you got to <laughs> take a side. Well, I just flipped my coin, so I've got my answer now. Um, you know, I think it kind of goes down to – I think a lot of people are going to pick this. It's so close that people are going to kind of pick it based on their allegiances to the fighters. And I think – people are pretty solidly in one camp or the other, you know, on who they like, George St. Pierre, BJ Penn. And, uh, you know, with BJ, I think there, there's a fine line between being a, a cocky asshole and a badass. And to me, BJ Penn is a badass. He, he doesn't talk trash because he likes to talk trash. He does it because it's true. And it's the same reason I like the Diaz brothers. It's just there's a certain attitude about being able to back up what you say that I think is awesome. And common sense says if BJ is going to win this fight, it's going to be early. Uh, George St. Pierre, you know, his two losses have been in the first round. So he tends to make his mistakes early and then get stronger as the fight goes on. Um, and look at their first fight for the proof of that, you know, BJ bloodied him up in their first uh, in the first round of their first fight and and won that first round and then George you know said uh, got down to business and and said all right I need to work my takedowns I need to stay active and, and I need to win this fight and that's exactly what he did 
I don't think he caused the most damage. You know, you can ask BJ. He said, where's the marks on me, George? Your face is all busted up and, and nothing has been done to me. But he won. George St. Pierre won the fight, though. Um, he, he won those last two rounds, clearly, and that's how you win the fight. Um, so common sense says if BJ's going to win, it's going to be probably in the first round by, uh, you know, uh, exploiting George St. Pierre's kind of suspect chin um, or, you know, getting him down, maybe rocking him, getting him down and, and choking him out. And if it goes past the third round, that's George St. Pierre territory. Um you know, BJ, we can talk about his improved cardio all we want, but the farthest we've seen him go is three full rounds against Sean Shirk full speed. And even then, his cardio wasn't really tested because it was kind of just a sparring match up until his last, you know, flurry. Um, I just have this gut feeling that this is BJ Penn's time. Um, his The biggest advantage for either fighter in any area in this fight is BJ's chin over George's chin. BJ's going to keep pressing forward. He said it on the show, which, man, were those shows awesome. He said it's not, you know, who who hits the hardest, George. It's who can be hit the hardest and keep coming. And that's what BJ can do. He can just keep taking punches over and over and over again. I mean, look at the Matt Hughes fight, uh, the second Matt Hughes-BJ Penn fight. BJ got taken out in the third round when he's completely gassed and just sat there and ate punches to the face unprotected in the in the crucifix position until they stopped it. He wasn't going to quit. He wasn't going to give up. He doesn't care about getting punched in the face. George St. Pierre does care about getting punched in the face. I think it's going to take his, take the toll on him, and I think by the third round, BJ is going to catch him with a big one and kind of put him out in the same manner that he did with Sean Shirk, and that's going to be it. Third round, uh, late third round, TKO by BJ Penn, but a little disclaimer that says, if it gets past that, I like George St. Pierre. <laughs> Way to cover both bases on that one. That's what I do. Um, <laughs> well, guys, uh, we're two days away from it now. We are just over two days away from when these two are going to finally get in the octagon and finally have this fight. And the hours couldn't move slow enough after last night's primetime finale because it just set it up perfectly with the two of them flying into Vegas uh, to finish off the show. Um, any final thoughts leading into Saturday's show and uh, anything else you want to comment on moving moving ahead with the ring of shows that we've got going on after this weekend's big events? Uh, Jason, let's start with you. Um, first, uh, you know, something happened this morning. Uh, Master Elio Gracie passed away. You know, just it's a nice moment to honor the life and times of him and recognizes immeasurable contributions to this sport. Uh, just a, an amazing man, and, you know, his presence is felt. Every show you watch, just everything. I mean, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, Gracie jiu-jitsu, uh, you know, he was the man. and lived to the ripe old age of 95, and, you know, three weeks ago he probably could have kicked all of our asses in less than 60 seconds. It would have looked like the, the end of a Benny Hill show with the fast uh, running and the music. Uh, you know, it was just he died this morning, and it's just you know a moment to recognize that. Uh, as far as this show, this show is huge. Uh, we start to go down a little bit, but we've been up so high for so long that the next few shows are going to be like a uh, post-coitus cigarette. Time to relax, you know, before we get back in the sack again and hit it once more. Uh, fight night coming up uh, very shortly, 
that now has a tremendous match of Lozon versus Jeremy Stevens. I'm more excited for this one than I was when it was uh, Lozon versus Hermes Franca. I, I think this is so much a, a better matchup. It's better than anything that I can think of that's headlined a fight night live. But uh, Saturday night is bigger than big, biggest of them all. And I do believe that it's going to exceed all of our expectations. This is going to be the fight that, you, you know, if you order the pay-per-view, you watch the first one, you're going to stick around for the replay, I think. I really think it's going to be that good. And it's one of those that when the DVD comes out, it's going to be snatched up. This is a magical, magical moment, and it should do a tremendous buy rate that should blow anything away until we get further on, you know, in May when Mir versus Lesnar 2 happens. But right now, I, I couldn't be any more excited for this card. I was ready for it yesterday. I was ready for it three weeks ago, three months ago. Um, it needs to be here now, and it's going to be on Saturday night. Cannot wait. Matt, same question to you. Uh, well said uh, by Jason on Helio Gracie. Uh, it's, a, it's a sad day seeing... You know, people all say one of the pioneers. He's like the pioneer. I mean, he basically fathered the sport that we love and talk about all the time. So uh, he would be missed very much. Um, yeah, this is the the culmination on Saturday of kind of a, a string of shows um, that have built up nicely to it. And this is kind of the crescendo that's built up. And we'll go back down and have a couple of free fight nights, which I'm looking forward to. And then kind of some, some lesser pay-per-view uh, type cards, and then we'll kind of build back up again till you know, maybe in May, um, if the speculation is correct, for the second Brock Lesnar-Frank Mir uh, fight, and then, you know, we'll probably dip back down again after that and build back up to another huge fight. So that just kind of seems to be the, the streak we're on, and I'll take that any day of the week. Uh, it's kind of like this card that is going to start, uh, start off you know, well, and then just keep building up until, you know, the great the great fight at the end. So I can't wait for Saturday. Um, just a, a quick note if, to everybody who's listening to get your picks in for the, uh, the MMA Torch contest. I might as well use this time to get a little plug-in. Um, so everybody, uh, 3 p.m., get your picks in by the deadline, and uh, I guess we'll do this again on Sunday. Absolutely, guys. Uh, well, Thank you again for uh, joining me here on Preview Audio, and we'll get the review up uh, possibly Sunday morning. It might have to wait till Monday as uh, Jason Steelers are playing in the Super Bowl, and I know you'll be heavily, heavily uh, I'm sure, inebriated and hyped with the rest of your Pittsburgh faithful. Um, so good luck to your team on Sunday night, and we will uh, talk to you both later. Thank you. Thank you. I'm not sick, but I'm not well.